And if you turn your Bibles to the last book of the Bible, to Revelation 21, and children dismissed at junior church at this point. As the children dismissed, you know, I was not obviously able to list all the different groups that we recognize. We recognize volunteers. As I was thinking, you know, we have people that come up to pray at the end of the service. We have others in the back on the audio and visual technology. And you know what else? Uh, there are a lot of people that may not be able to volunteer in a serving uh, physical way anymore, but they're praying for church members every single day. And thank God for them, um, prayer warriors. And that's something we can all do is we can all pray. We can all be in prayer. We're going to talk today about God, how God's love lasts forever. David Jeremiah shares following. He says, for years, I've been collecting the sayings that people put on their tombstones. Here is one that expresses what some people think about heaven. Listen closely. Here lies a poor woman who always was tired, for she lived in a place where help wasn't hired. Her last words on earth were, dear friends, I'm going where washing ain't done nor sweeping, nor sewing, and everything there is exact to my wishes. For where they don't eat, there's no washing of dishes. Don't weep for me now, don't weep for me ever. For I'm going to, for I'm going to do nothing forever and ever. Sounds a little more like a nursing home than a biblical conception of heaven. I suppose it's natural for an overworked person to think of heaven as a place of rest. It is a place of rest, but it's so much more. This reveals another misconception about heaven. When we enter into heaven, we are not put on some kind of heavenly social security list. On the contrary, the Bible says a great deal about service in heaven, our tasks and responsibilities, particularly in Revelation. As Canadian pastor Bruce Milne tells us, the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation speaks of heaven as a place where you will find God's throne, God's river, God's tree, God's service, God's face, God's seal, God's reign. Such are the features of the life of the people of God in the coming holy city. It is, totally, it is totally centered on God. That is the deepest and most glorious prospect imaginable. For there is no reality comparable to the triune God, the ever-blessed Father. I preached on heaven in the winter. Maybe some of you remember. But I never preached in an expository way on Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. I referenced it. We read it. But I didn't go verse by verse four through it. That's what I want to do today. Uh, to make the theme that God's love lasts forever. God's love lasts forever. We've covered many sub subject we've oh, we've covered many subjects of God's love. Today we talk about the eternal, the forever. Where is history going? As you look at history and you think about 
history, and it's a worldview question that really everybody asks. Everybody, th- everybody may not actually vocalize that question, but we all have a thought in our head about the future, about where history is going. It's a, it's a thought deep within our soul, deep within our own inner being. It's, it's called a worldview thought. A couple examples. In the last six weeks, three different computer people, people in, on the inside of computers and technology, have commented about artificial intelligence. Three different people. One was the co-founder of Apple Computers, and then two others who are also on the inside of the tech world. At least one of them initially said, we need to cut all work on artificial intelligence for six months so we can develop and work on ethics. What are the ethics of those working on artificial intelligence? Where are they going to get their ethics from as they consider ethics? Without a biblical worldview, where are they going to get their ethics? How are they going to be grounded with a foundation of right and wrong as they consider ethics? Where, but also notice the fear. Where is history going? Where is this artificial intelligence going? Another person also commented with concerns of artificial intelligence, and one who is an insider said, no, 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 no. We cannot only stop working on artificial intelligence for six months. We need to stop it permanently. This guy said, he looks at his kids and he thinks, they're not, they're not going to be able to grow up because artificial intelligence is going to destroy humanity. Now, we probably all here might have concerns about artificial intelligence. And we all might have concerns about the lack of ethics of not just that. There's many other things that, that, that are being experimented with. Uh, CRISPR technology on um, editing and working with, um, with the em- embryos and things like that. And, and many other things going on The lack ethics. But notice the deep worldview questions at play. Where is history going? And when we first think about it, we first think about it, and and we hear somebody say, no, 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 we cannot only stop working on artificial intelligence for six months. we got to stop it permanently. We might think, yeah, that's true. And, And we might ourselves get worked up and get fearful. But do Christians have to fear? Do Christians have to fear the future? You see, it goes back to your foundational beliefs, your foundational worldview beliefs. And if you believe that humanity just barely made it through a process of macro, large-scale evolution across species, and if you believe we just barely, and one of the militant secular atheists actually said that, that we just barely made it, we just got lucky, and that's why humanity is here right now. If you believe that, You have every reason to be afraid of artificial intelligence. If you believe that there is not a sovereign creator God governing the universe, if you do not believe in a sovereign creator God, you have every reason to be afraid of artificial intelligence. As well as pollution and global warming and everything else. But if you come from the Christian worldview, that God is all-powerful, 
that God is omnipresent, present everywhere. That God is omniscient, he knows everything. And that God is in control. Though we need to be good stewards and though we need to be responsible, we do not need to be afraid. Where is history going? Revelation tells us a little bit about that. The book of Revelation, you also could go to Daniel chapter 12 and other places. The Bible tells us a little bit about that. And though we need to be good stewards and though we need to be concerned about things like I just mentioned, AI and stuff like that, we will not have an iRobot scenario. That's a movie with Will Smith from a few years ago. It's a documentary actually about robots. No, it's not a documentary. It's an action movie about robots taking over the planet. We, do, we will not have a scenario like that. The Bible gives us some answers and that's what we're gonna get into today. And where is history going? It's going to a place and a time where God makes all things right. God makes all things new. In the letter of Revelation, we see God communicate to the Apostle John the things that are to come. By the way, I want to go back to this stuff about artificial intelligence and many other things. You know, as Christians, we have a view on things, but oftentimes we're, we are way too surface level. We need to go deeper. Why do people think the things they think? Why do they say the things they say? Why are they fearful? And as, they get, as we get into the details and we think deeply, we can come back and remember Christians always have hope. We always have hope. We don't need to be fearful. So there are different views of the letter of Revelation. We're not going to get into those today. Regardless of one's view, most people believe, most Christians believe, Revelation chapters 21 and 22 are dealing with the ultimate end. When God, and it's really not the end. It's really the beginning. It's, it's really the beginning of life unending. But it's the end of the Bible. It's the end of, the end of creation as we know it, when God makes all things new, when God makes all things right. In Revelation chapters 1 through 3, we have the letters to the seven churches. That's chapters 1 through 3. In chapters 4 through 22, verse 5, Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, we're dealing with things that will take place. Um, I still believe in the future. There are differing views on those. But we see God pouring out his wrath on sin. God is destroying Babylon. Uh, God is, we're dealing with the Antichrist there and also the fall of Satan. That's in those chapters of Revelation. Eventually, we get to Revelation chapter 21, verse 10 actually 20 verse 10, and in Revelation chapter 20 verse 10, Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. And, and by the way, then Revelation 22, uh, 20 verse 14, I have that wrong in my manuscript. If you're reading that, uh, you should catch that. If you catch that, you get some points. Um, kidding, because I just told you the answer. Revelation chapter 20 verse 14, chapter 20 verse 14, death and Hades. Hades is the, uh, the abode of the dead. They are thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is hell, okay? And that's when that happens. And that brings us to Revelation chapter 21. And in Revelation chapter 21, we have the new heaven and the new earth. And this is teaching us that God's love lasts forever. This is a new heaven and new earth. This is teaching us that God's love lasts forever. Listen, we are loved by God now. And God wants a relationship with you and me and all of us now. Second Peter 3, 8, and 9. God desires none to perish, but all to come to repentance. He wants you and I to share with other people about the gospel. He wants to know us. He wants us to have a relationship with with, with God. He, he loves us. He loves us now. But as we get to Revelation 21 and 22, we see that he loves us forever. He loves us forever. 
We're with him forever. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are with him forever. You're with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in his love. Let's read verses one through four of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. If you're filling in the blanks on the insert, by the way, they... Um, This is your second and third and I think fourth blank. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He, that is God, he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. anymore. For the former things have passed away. Death is gone. Pain and sickness is gone. Uh, It's taken care of. God is making all things new. And notice as we look at verses one through two of Revelation 21, we see what, God see, what, what John sees, what John sees. And this section provides information not revealed in the other visions of heaven. The eternal state is pictured as a physical place. It's real, it's physical, it's tangible. It includes land, buildings, trees, and water. Believers will interact with one another and engage in meaningful service for God. And this corrects some long-held misconceptions. Heaven is not a place of passive rest or endless blissful contemplation of God. It's not sitting on the clouds playing a harp. It is a real physical, physical, tangible existence with God in eternity. John sees a holy city descending from heaven. We see that in verse two. The holy city is the new Jerusalem. We'll hear more about that in the rest of this chapter and the next chapter. It seems clear that these verses are summarizing what the rest of the next two chapters will talk about. He's giving a summary and then they go into more detail. This holy city is coming down or appears to be coming down. It could be that John is just describing the indescribable. He's stretching the Greek vocabulary to to, to try to explain the uh, the unexplainable. Notice the modifiers. The city is described as holy. And that means it's set apart. It's sanctified. It's it's totally other than, than, than what we've experienced before. And this city is coming from God. It is like it is coming from God's realm. It's coming from this other dimension, this heavenly dimension. This city is made ready as a bride adorned for a husband. Later in verse nine, we see that she is called the bride. But this seems to mean that this city is all beautiful, like we would expect a bride on her wedding day. Isaiah 52 verse one calls Jerusalem the holy city as well. Jerusalem has always been called the holy city. Revelation as a whole, I love this, may be characterized as a tale of two cities with the subtitle, the harlot and the bride. A tale of two cities is it it, contrasting the destruction of Babylon, the destruction of all things that are against God, and then the bride, which is Jerusalem. And then in verses three through eight, we see what John hears. And we're only gonna look at verses three through four for today. Revelation 21, verses three through four. He hears the words of the angel, doesn't he? 
The angel says, God himself will mingle among his people. God's love lasts forever. God himself will mingle with his people in a physical, tangible, real way. Verse three describes the benefits of the new Jerusalem positively. And then verse four does so negatively. One source shares uh, that he will dwell with them. Get this, the greatest blessing of heaven will be unhindered fellowship with God himself. The goal of God's covenant is God with us and is foreshadowed in the Old, Testament, the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple, and it will be achieved in its greatest reality in Revelation 21 and 22, in the new heaven and new earth. Emmanuel, God with us, God dwelling with his people right here. John hears a loud voice from the throne. The people are God's people and God will be with them. It says God will minister to his people. God wipes tears away. By wiping every tear and eliminating death, mourning, and pain, God will reverse the curse that entered the world through human sin. This is the reverse of the curse that entered the world through human sin. Actually, if you look at it, Revelation chapters 20, 21, and 22 are a reversal of Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Revelation chapter 20 is the reverse of Genesis chapter three. In Genesis three, sin entered the world. In Revelation 20, sin is taken care of. And then we have chapters 21 and 22, they're back in the garden. It's the reversal of Genesis chapters one and two. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The first order is over. I wanna make some applications and review. Twenty sixteen, a lady of my from my church had a husband who had a massive stroke, and after a few days, he passed away. And as I was talking with her, and she was going through grief, I recommended the book Heaven Revealed, and gave her a copy, and she read it twice. But also, thought death is unnatural. It's unnatural. God did not create us to go through sickness and pain and suffering. And so it's right to grieve because it's an intrusion. It's, it's a parasite. It's, it's unnatural. And so we grieve. And this right to grieve is unnatural. Then last week, I've been reading some of Tim Keller's sermons three days a week. And he had an open forum back in 1996 or something on death. And he said the exact same thing. And I was so glad to see he said the same thing. It's unnatural. It's an intrusion. And actually, Tim Keller just passed away on Friday, a great pastor and writer. And he entered into heaven. It's unnatural. And that's why God is making all things new. God is making all things right. Revelation chapters 21 and 22 is showing that God's love lasts forever and that God makes all things right. God makes all things new. He corrects what we messed up. So God's love lasts forever. We will be in the holy city. We will be in the new Jerusalem on the new earth. We can take comfort in that. The sea was no more. This may just be symbolic of death and destruction, danger. If you like the ocean, there might really be an ocean, but there'll be no death. There'll be no destruction. There'll be no danger. Not anymore. We will dwell with God. Most importantly, God will dwell with us. 
It's too often that we focus on heaven, but we don't focus on God and being with God, being with Jesus in heaven. That's what's most important. We will have a real physical relationship with Almighty God, and there'll be no more sin in the way. Right now, we have sin still in the way between us and God because God is holy, God is right, God is perfect. God is totally righteous and, 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 and sin is a violation, high treason against God Almighty and there will be no more sin. We'll be with God's people and he will be our God. There'll be no more death. Verse four says that. We can rejoice the pain and suffering of this world will be gone. No more pain, no more sickness, no more Alzheimer's, no more cancer, no more multiple sclerosis, no more disabilities, no more special needs. Everybody will be right and they won't need that. We won't have those. No more car accidents, no more falling, no more aging, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more worry. There will be nothing to worry about. Do we worry about our kids? No more, no need. Do we worry about our, do we worry about our grandkids? No more, no need. Do we, worry, do we worry about our parents? No more, no need. Do we worry about cousins or family or friends or others? No more, no need. There will be no danger. Do we worry about international relations? No more, no need. Jesus will literally be on the throne. Do we worry about money? No more, no need. Do we worry about disasters? No more, no need. God's love lasts forever. We will be with him in a literal way. No more death. God's love lasts forever. By the way, this is something that separates Christianity from other religions. God's gonna redeem everything. God's gonna make everything right. If you dive into other different religious views, you could go into Eastern mysticism or Hinduism and different things like that, and they believe you're reincarnated. We joke about reincarnation here. They hate it because they don't believe we're gonna die and go to heaven. They believe you're gonna be reincarnated, and, and your reincarnation is gonna be based on how good you or bad you live on this life now. But the Bible teaches and the biblical worldview teaches that God's gonna make everything new. God's gonna make everything right, and by grace, we are saved through faith. We can't earn our way to heaven. God freely gives us heaven. God freely redeems our pain and suffering. He redeems us. He redeems it. And he also took our pain and suffering on the cross. There'll be no more crying. God will wipe away our tears. Do you remember how nice it was to be a child and have a mom or dad embrace us and wipe away our tears? Or maybe a husband or wife wipe away our tears. How much more powerful that God will wipe away our tears. But then it says no more tears, no more crying or mourning. Could it be that God will wipe them away and then they will be gone? Could it be that we will understand, we will understand the sadness of this world? We will have a complete picture of the hardships we have faced. And so they won't bring tears anymore because our, our knowledge will be more complete. We'll be able to reconcile them. We'll be able to reason. We'll be able to understand what was going on. Part of the difficulties in this world is our picture is not developed. Our picture of suffering needs developed and then reframed, and God will do that. God's love lasts forever. We must live for eternity. Here's some applications. Store up treasures in heaven. Proverbs 19 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Invest in eternity. Store up treasures in heaven. Invest in the church. Repent of sin. Make sure you are saved. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. If sin doesn't bother you, 
And that's something you need to talk to God about. I'm not gonna say you're not saved, but it's a sign that there are problems. If we're not convicted, and a lot of times you think I'm talking about sexual sin or big things like murderers you see on TV. Oh, but I really am convicted more and more to talk about for myself and for my family and for all of you, matters of the heart, pride, jealousy, a lack of humility. And how about going further? Desiring God, treasuring a relationship with God, having affection for God, having a love for God and a love for his word and a love for all things of God. Seek the Lord. Be encouraged, God's love lasts forever. C.S. Lewis says, your place in heaven will seem to be made for you and you alone because you are made for it. Made for it stitch by stitch as a glove is made for a hand. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a great pastor, preacher, and teacher down at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for many years. And back in the 40s and 50s, he used to take a train from Philadelphia every Tuesday and have a preaching service, uh, I think, in New York City. But one of the great tragedies of his life was he married a great woman, and when he was still young, and they only had one little girl, before, Margaret was, before his daughter, Margaret, was even 10 years old, his wife died. This little girl's mother died. It's a great tragedy. Dr. Barnhouse was trying to help his little girl and himself process the loss of the mother. It was a horrible thing. One day he had an idea. They were crossing the street when a truck came awfully close to Margaret, the little girl, the 10-year-old. And Margaret screamed. It wasn't too bad, but it scared her. Her father picked her up and carried her off and said, it's okay, it's okay. It wasn't too bad, but she was kind of scared. And he had an idea and he said something like this. He says something like this. You know how sad we are about mommy? Yes, we are sad about mommy. Well, let me just ask you a question. Did that truck hit you? No. What hit you? Just a shadow of the truck. That's okay. Death didn't hurt your mom. Only the shadow of death hit your mother. Because the mother went to heaven. Death hit Jesus. And because death hit Jesus, and we have... And, and we believe in him, now the only thing that can hit us is the shadow of death. The shadow of death is but our entrance into glory. If you believe in the resurrection, if we believe in the resurrection, we only have the shadow of death. We and our family and friends and others that we know who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, they only have the shadow of death. We go straight to be with God in heaven. That last breath on earth is our first breath in heaven. And it's a real place because God's love lasts forever and because Jesus took our death on the cross, because Jesus absorbed and took our pain and suffering, and Jesus took the wrath of God in our place, and Jesus took our hell. That's why we can sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. That's the last verse of that. Great, great, great hymn. So we can say, this is Tim Keller writing this, come on crosses, the lower you lay me, the higher you will raise me. Come on grave, just try, kill me, and all you'll do is make me better than before. If the death of Jesus Christ happened for us and he took our hopelessness, and now we have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened, even the worst things, only the best things, and the greatest is yet to come. Because we live knowing that God's love lasts forever. And only the shadow of death will come upon us because we will ascend to heaven and eventually 
We know where history is going. We know God's gonna make all things new. God's gonna make all things right. And now let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to talk about your word. Lord God, I thank you for Revelation 21 and 22. Lord God, I thank you that you showed us, you gave us an understanding of the future. You gave us what we need to know. You don't give us all the details, but you do give us what we need to know. And that is you are gonna make all things right. You are gonna wipe away every tear, but more than that, you're gonna restore everything. A resurrected new heaven and a new earth, a resurrected creation, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. And we are gonna be with you, literally with you. You will dwell with us. You you will tabernacle with us. A literal, awesome creation, which is gonna be greater than we can ever even imagine. Lord Jesus, I pray that this is, that the Holy Spirit will actually take this and provide comfort to your people. Your love lasts forever. We'll be with you. And Lord God, I pray that we live with you now in spirit, knowing that through Jesus, we have fullness of life in you, even now, which will be made most complete, complete, completely complete, so to speak, in the future. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. If God has anything in your heart, as always, the altars are open and we would just love and welcome the opportunity to come and pray with you um, during this closing song.